0: The text for the message this morning is Exodus chapter eighteen. It's also be the last of the sermons in the series on Exodus eighteen for or on Exodus for this time. Exodus chapter eighteen, that's on page fifty nine in the Pew Bible. Hear the word of the Lord. This is after Israel defeated Amalek. Amalek, the Israelites are in the desert. They received manna and then water from the rock. We read Exodus 18, verse 1. Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, had taken Zipporah, Moses' wife, After he had sent her home, along with her two sons. The name of the one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land, and the name of the other, Eliezer, for he said, The God of my father was my help and delivered me from the sword of Pharaoh. Jethro, Moses' father in law, came with his sons and his wife to Moses in the wilderness, where he was encamped at the mountain of God. And when he sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons with her. Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. And they asked each other of their welfare and went into the tent. When Moses told his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them, And Jethro rejoiced for all the good that the Lord had done to Israel in that he had delivered them out of the hand of the Egyptians. Jethro said, Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh and has delivered the people from under the hand of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. The next day Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that he was doing for the people, he said, What is this that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? Now obey my voice, I will give you advice and God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Moreover, look for able men from all the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you, and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. So Moses listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all times. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father in law depart, and he went away to his own country. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as we really acknowledge, today is Pentecost Sunday the day when we as God's people commemorate the outpouring of the Holy Spirit as a result of Christ's victory and his ascension into heaven. Pentecost brought the church into a new phase that affected who may share in God's blessing and his saving work and how God dwells with his people. Pentecost brought blessings to the church that could only be hoped for by the church before Christ's ascension. These blessings are highlighted for us when Jethro came to visit Moses and the Israelites before the people had come to Mount Sinai. And I preach you the gospel under this theme. In Jethro's visit, God gives a preview of the Pentecost blessings that we enjoy. These blessings include foreigners calling on the name of God, one mediator bringing God's truth to his people, and able men able to share the burden of judging. If you compare Exodus chapter 17 with chapter 18, you'll see there's a stark contrast between the Amalekites' response to Israel's victory over the Egyptians and Jethro's response. While well, the Amalekites had made the decision to side with the Egyptians, who dealt arrogantly with the Israelites in their rebellion against God, Jethro was a foreigner who came to God looking for peace. It appears that at some point after returning to Egypt, Zipporah and Moses' two sons had returned to Midian to see Jethro. Now, probably an old man. Jethro came back to see what the future held for his daughter and his grandsons. His visit would have convinced him that he did not need to worry about his daughter's well-being. For as long as she was with Moses and served the Lord, Yahweh, with him, she was serving the God who is above all gods. As a descendant of Midian, Abraham's fourth son, Jethro could have known about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob even before Moses had come to live with him. This would explain why he is called Ruel, which means friend of God, and why he is called the priest of Midian. He could have learned more about God when Moses returned to Midian after the Lord had spoken to Moses out of the burning bush. However, it is only when Jethro heard about verse 8, we read at Exodus 18 verse 8, all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had come upon them in the way and how the Lord had delivered them, that we read that Jethro rejoiced. He rejoiced for all the good that that the Lord had done. Unlike the Amalekites who felt threatened by God's victory because they did not want to repent, we read that Jethro said, verse 10, Blessed be the Lord. And he concluded, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. Jethro knew that he had found the one true God and he humbly submitted himself before him overwhelmed by the undeniable fact of the Lord's awesome power and his loving care of for his people, Jethro even offers a burnt offering and sacrifices to God like the patriarchs of Israel so many years before. We can imagine how joyful Moses must have been to see his father-in-law worshiping the Lord this way, approving of his joy in the deliverance, approving of Moses' hope in the promised land that he had expressed when he named his son Gershom and Eliezer. Jethro's faith was very unique and special in his day, but appointed to the new reality of Pentecost when people from all nations would turn to the Lord in faith. Jethro's Sincerity gives us a foretaste of what we can expect when we do what we said and sang in Psalm 145, and when we recount the marvelous deeds of God to our neighbors and colleagues, just like they did on Pentecost Day, speaking in all those, uh, well, in a language that was understood by so many people. Jethro's expression of faith. Jethro's dedication to the Lord that pointed forward to the day when multitudes of believers from non-Israelite backgrounds would be made disciples of Jesus Christ, would be baptized in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The privilege extended to Jethro has become the norm for the church ever since Pentecost. And by God's grace, There are even English-speaking Gentiles, like many of us, gathered to worship Him. When we consider how shocking this change was to the Jews, even in the days of the Apostle Paul's, so that they were persecuting Him for preaching this gospel, we learn that we should never take it for granted that we too may be assembled to worship our triune God. What was only pointed to in Jethro's day has come to pass as Peter proclaimed Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone means everyone, just as the Israelites came to see when the priest of Midian, the foreigner, started worshiping their God. The joy. Praise the sacrifices of the converted foreigner made it clear that Jethro was sincere and he was rightly received into fellowship with great honor. We read in verse 12b that Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses' father-in-law before God. Jethro's conversion brought him into fellowship with the leaders of the people that was celebrated by eating bread in the presence of God. Now, whether this bread was the manna sent from heaven as a sign pointing forward to Jesus Christ, the bread of life, or some bread that Jethro had taken along with him, Jethro was warmly received into the fellowship to the safety of God's people. Such table fellowship is especially important when people don't have family and friends in the church. And it's not surprising that the elders' reception of Jethro would serve as a model for Christian fellowship that accompanied the influx of converts to the Christian faith after Pentecost. Although people may have to leave friends and family to join the body of Christ, when they walk into the arms, the open arms of the one true God, They will be able to share meals with their new spiritual family. We see that as one of the immediate results of Pentecost at the end of Acts chapter 2. It's striking that the office of deacon finds its basis in the need for God's people to enjoy table fellowship. And that great care was given to the task of choosing men who were full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, so that they might serve at the tables. The deacons, including those we ordain today, should pay close attention to that important connection between table fellowship and discipleship, between table fellowship and the verse I forgot to read, Acts 6 verse 7, that the church grew in number as a result of the fellowship. The deacons could see the task they were given and the place it has in the church. And although today any distinction of race and culture has nothing to do with our salvation, which is in Christ alone, inviting people into our homes for meals continues to be a powerful expression of our sincere love and concern for one another. Let us not give up the habit Of showing this simple kindness to one another and all the more as we rejoice in the work of our perfect mediator Jesus Christ you see that we have a mediator who brings God's truth to his people we see in our text that when Jethro watched it's the next day verse 13 when he watched Moses at work He was able to learn about the way that the holy creator of heaven and earth communicated with the people, the nation that he had chosen for himself of all the nations in the world. Although God, the great, eternal I am, is in heaven, his eyes are turned toward the earth. He is connected with his people through a mediator. However, since God's holiness and justice was still yet to be revealed more fully when he gave his laws, when he ordained the priesthood in the chapters that follow in Exodus, Jethro's understanding of, God, of Moses' work is one-sided. It's limited to the way that God comes to his people through his word. We know that later the people would understand better how amazing it was that the holy God would allow sinful people to approach him. The holiness of God and the sinfulness of the people would be revealed to them when the Lord came down in glory at Mount Sinai. And then you'll remember that the people even begged Moses that he should speak to God on their behalf. Although Jethro couldn't see it during his visit, the fellowship between God and and man that Moses represented was only possible through the work of Jesus Christ. And once again, we see how privileged we are in our day, and our time, to have He who is true God and true man standing before the Father, interceding for us, making us pure in His blood. We know God through Jesus Christ the way. God communicated his truth to the people through Moses. Since the law had not yet been given in written form, Moses was the embodiment of the law. And his explanation and his applications were crucial for the people of God to know how to live and what to do. The people came to, we see in verse 15, to inquire of God through Moses. And Moses, in turn, he explained, decided between one person and another and he made known the statutes of God and his laws. In his explanations of God's will, Moses pointed forward. He was a type of Jesus Christ who later would amaze the crowds by his, his teaching, the Word of God, as one who had authority. We can just think of the Sermon on the Mount how our Lord Jesus embodied the law with his own life of obedience and righteousness. The people of Israel, there in the desert, they had to go to a man, to Moses. They had to wait around all day for an answer. But today, we may have the teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ, the perfect mediator. And we may understand it. We may know what it means to Obey the law of God. We have much more than the people ever did before, especially those in the desert, because we can read the Bible in our own language. We can understand what we are reading. We can know in our hearts the way that we must walk and what we must do. And after his ascension, our Lord Jesus Christ, he did even more for us. When he was exalted to the right hand of God. It was a display text as we walked in. Acts 2 verse 33. The, the Lord ascended into heaven and he poured out the Holy Spirit that we know and see. He gives his Holy Spirit to dwell in our hearts. God himself dwells in us. And ever since, the Penteco- ever since Pentecost, we have that law of God not written on tablets, but written in our hearts. We are all equipped to be judges and prophets as Peter explained on Pentecost Day. Jethro, so many years ago, he noticed the problem that God solved by sending his own son to be our mediator, by giving us his spirit to teach us how we should live. We have so much more to begin with, than the Israelites who came before us. We don't need men to serve as mediators between God and His people, because Christ is our only mediator. We don't need men to teach us the will of God, because God Himself is teaching us by His Spirit, through His Word. We don't need to accomplish anything in order to earn our salvation because Jesus Christ has accomplished it all for us. There should be no reason to ordain office bearers today. And there would be no need at all if it wasn't for our ongoing struggle with our sinful nature, our daily sins of weakness. Although God has done everything for us, although God has obtained everything we need for eternal life, we often fail to understand the riches we have. We fail to see the the joy that God has given us. We struggle with the call to submit. We become distracted by the temptations of the world and we forget We still need Jesus Christ to lead and keep us as a shepherd watching over his sheep. And he does this in the way that Jethro recommended for the Israelites so many years before. Through able men who are called to apply God's truth to our lives as we seek to live according to the will of God. As long as God's people need to be shepherded by people who are ordained to express the will and the wisdom of the great shepherd, Jesus Christ, we find that we are just humans. We find that shepherding the flock of God can be exhausting. Jethro noticed that Moses was getting worn out by the task he had taken on himself although he was equipped by God to be a mediator. And there was no question that the work he was doing had to be done and could not be ignored. His desire for justice and harmony among God's people, we read it, consumed all his days. Moses had to face the fact that he could not do it alone. And when his father-in-law came to Moses with his wife and his children, He was reminded of his other responsibilities. He was also a husband and a father. Jethro was correct to say it is not good because wearing yourself out actually goes against the principle of rest that God commanded in the fourth commandment. It is not good for Christ's appointed shepherds to wear themselves out as office bearers not only because that causes them to be less helpful as office bearers but also because serving in office is just one part of the kingdom work that we are called to do and we do well to pay attention. If necessary work is wearing us out then it's time to find a better way to accomplish what needs to be done. And the first thing we notice about God's instruction through Jethro is that not everyone is equally capable of serving as leaders in the church. The role requires more than just a warm body, and increasing the number of judges is not as simple as hiring more workers and then training them for a task. The task of judges in Moses' day was to make clear how God wanted people to treat one another, how he wanted people to respond to hardships. The task of office bearers today is to represent the loving pastoral care of Jesus Christ as he accompanies his children through his ministry of mercy, the deacons, and his ministry of instruction and exhortation as elders. God shows us that the godly character of office bearers speaks with as much volume as the words they choose to use. When he tells us in Exodus 18 verse 20 that able men are men who fear God, who are trustworthy, who hate a bribe. God wants his people to be led by men whose hearts have been transformed. So they sincerely love God and love his church. Read through the qualifications of elders and deacons and you quickly realize that godliness, humility, and piety are just as important as superior knowledge. It's not just IQ, not even if you add EQ, but it's also SQ, the spiritual quotient. And that can only be worked in the heart by the Holy Spirit. In Numbers 11, we read, when Moses was looking for more office bearers, then after Sinai, we read that God took from the spirit of Moses and gave it to the other men whom he appointed as elders. Good leaders in the church need God's grace. They need hearts that submit to the guidance of the Holy Spirit who was poured out at Pentecost. Moses couldn't just train more people You'll notice the instruction is that he had to look for the people whom God had prepared. We see then that when there are men who are able to serve the church as we have, this is a gift of God for his people, for his church. The second thing we notice about God's instruction through Jethro is that God wants us to have groups of leaders working together. In the Old Testament, it was evident in the body of elders representing the tribes of Israel and the family of priests who maintained the ministry of reconciliation. In the New Testament, we see that Jesus appointed 12 disciples, many of whom, most of whom would serve later as apostles. After our Lord Jesus ascended into heaven, God poured out His Spirit so that many more people could be equipped with the qualifications necessary to be ordained to office. Pentecost led to the possibility of having many elders and deacons working in every place where Christ gathered His church. The third thing we notice about God's instruction through Jethro is that it's very grassroots rather than top-down. He doesn't just talk about chiefs of hundreds and thousands But he also speaks of chiefs of fifties and tens. A group of ten could easily be an extended family group. And when Moses implemented Jethro's suggestion, it would have brought the first responsibility of judging to people who knew very well the people whom they were responsible for. Justice was to be established at the lowest levels and then work its way up. This fits with God's decision to make sure that all the people knew his laws, even those laws which described what only the priests and the kings and the elders were allowed to do. Paul also emphasized this when he made it clear that the ascended Christ gave the gift of pastors and teachers in order to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And to build up the body of Christ in such a way that the body of Christ might build itself up. So if even in the Old Testament, before Sinai, caring for God's people was not just the work of a few people in their ivory towers, how much less could it be that today, when Jesus is our loving shepherd, And all believers have the gift of the Holy Spirit who dwells in their hearts. Men, women, and children, we are all called to be capable leaders guided by God's truth given to us through Jesus Christ and worked in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We are all called to learn God's will and seek to live godly lives. Jethro's reception by the leaders of the people, reminds us about how blessed we are as non-Jews to be a part of God's people, to partake in table fellowship that reminds us of the love of our triune God. Moses' hard work as a mediator makes us appreciate how much better we have with Jesus Christ as our mediator. Jethro's suggestion about shepherding the people of God highlight how special it is for us to have God's Spirit in our hearts, to have the Bible in our hands. The forms of government that Moses implemented in Israel after Jethro's visit help us to appreciate how better off we are after Pentecost. And today, we are ordaining men to serve as elders and deacons in a post-Pentecost context. It's very different from the situation in Exodus 18. Not only does every member have access to God's divine majesty through their mediator and Savior, Jesus Christ, but everyone who believes in Jesus Christ has the Holy Spirit to comfort them in their lives to guide them in their trials. If Jethro visited us today, he would see that Pentecost has changed everything. and What a blessing it is to live in the time of the fulfillment of the promised Pentecost blessings in our lives. May we never take them for granted. Amen.